Good morning and welcome. Uh, I'm Tommy Evans and I want to welcome all of you to this morning's worship celebration. And if you're a visitor, uh, we offer you a, a special welcome. We know you had choices. You could be somewhere else this morning, but you chose to be with us and worship with us, and we really appreciate that. Announcements uh, are in the bulletin, uh, so just take a few minutes and look at that. But I want to quickly refer, uh, highlight a couple. Bookbinders, which is um, the ladies' reading club, so to speak, is starting up again this coming Friday after having to shut down because of the unnormal time we've been going through for the last 15 or 18 months. But they're starting up next Friday at 10 o'clock, and that's in rooms uh, 111 and 112. It looks like, based on what's in the bulletin, there are two qualifications. You have to be able to read novels that are from a Christian perspective, and you have to have an appetite. So uh, the other one I want to mention is Sheds of Hope. Uh, this will sort of be a reminder for some of us, but for those of you that are new to the church or maybe visiting today, it will be new information. Sheds of Hope is a ministry that, at LOPC that builds portable dry sheds for folks that have lost everything in a natural disaster, whether it be a tornado, flood, hurricane. These are built on site um, uh, here at the church, and once they're built, they're transported to a, sh a, a shipping hub in Rome, Georgia. So when the next natural disaster hits, uh, these can be delivered quickly and efficiently to the areas that need them. So far, uh, we've been involved with uh, delivering over 100 of these Sheds of Hope, and uh, some of those are local, for example, in Edenton. Uh, now, if you're on the inside front aisle, there's an attendance register under the seat in front of you. If you would, grab that, sign it, pass it down the row, and when it gets to the end of the row, those at the end of the row, once you fill it out, pass it back uh, toward the center. That'll give us a record of your attendance, and uh, so just take a moment to do that. Um, we have Dr. Joe King that will be presenting the message today. Dr. King was a senior pastor here for 12 and over 12 years, and my wife and I came away knowing two very important things after our visit to LOPC in the spring of 2004. Number one, this was a very loving and caring church, family, it, and it still is today. Number two, we came away knowing we had just heard a summon from God's Word, the Bible. Dr. King, the pastor who preached that sermon 17 years ago, will be presenting this morning's sermon. I have no doubt it will be from God's Word, the Bible. Let's take a moment to pray our hearts for worship.
Thank you, Amy. Um, it's my uh, privilege and honor to be here again with you today and to open God's Word later, but uh, I want to ask you to remember to pray for your pastor, Jeff Birch. He is uh, still struggling, and he's improved. He's still weak, but uh, I know that he appreciates so much your, your prayers and your thoughts toward them. We want to uh, direct our attention now into worship. Psalm 29 was a psalm of David. Listen carefully to what David wrote many, many years ago. He said, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Would you pray with me this morning? Uh, Father, as we come into this place, we thank you that you were here long before we were. And you desire for us to come into this place and worship you in spirit and in truth with all our being, whether we are singing, whether we are giving, whether we're hearing your word, whether we are fellowshipping with others, that we do it unto you. So, Father, thank you for assembling these people today and those that are worshiping with us virtually. Lord, we ask your presence. We ask your blessing. We ask that you would get the glory and praise that is so due to you. And we thank you, and we pray it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to ask you to stand together and let's sing this great hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. Would you stand together? seated. We come to a time in our worship where 
we're confessing our faith in what we believe and what the truth of the scriptures are. And sometimes we use different creeds to do that by the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Uh, this morning we're going to use what's called the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a wonderful doctrinal statement. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, questions one and questions two. And if you will read the bold part in response as I read the questions. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. What must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from my sins and misery. Third, I am to thank God for such a deliverance. Would you stand once again and let's sing together in Christ alone.
Lord uh, invites us into his throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace in time of need. He always bids us to come. He tells us in the scriptures to come boldly. He tells us to come asking. He tells us to come seeking. He tells us to come knocking. The disciples didn't fully understand the subject of prayer, and Jesus had to teach them some things about prayer. They had observed him praying by himself and sometimes in public. But we read in the book of Matthew what we call the the Lord's Prayer, and it's really the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really in John chapter 17. But we call it the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like you to join with me as we pray this prayer, and then I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we bow in your presence, thanking you that even now there is one who makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we bow, Father, because you are worthy of our praise. You have invited us into the throne room of grace And we can come and bring our petitions and our praises, our needs, our concerns. Things that, Father, you knew before we ever came here this morning. Because you know it all. But you say to us, come. I'll show you great and mighty things. Things which you do not know. What an awesome God you are. And we worship you. We come to this place to give you the glory that is so due. And we do it in a way, Father, that's the best that we know, and yet it's not adequate, but you're pleased. Father, we would pray today for Jeff Birch as he continues to battle the COVID and continues to battle pneumonia. Lord, would you put your healing hand upon him? Would you restore his health? We pray also, Father, for George Roundtree and Barb Roundtree as George continues his therapy for cancer treatments. Lord, would you put your healing hand upon him? We pray, Father, for Carol Oxford a dear saint of this church for many years, a founding member of this congregation who has been suffering for health issues for a long time and now needs healing of the bones. We pray, Father, for her. Thank you for Jack and his care for her. We pray, Father, for Taylor, the nephew of, of Rachel, who is battling this Hodgkin's disease, lymphoma, and Amy, Abby Craig. This child has had some serious issues with 
health for a long, long time. Lord, would you comfort those parents? Would you give her healing? We pray, Father, for Linda Martin as she continues to heal from her broken leg. We pray for the Pomeroli family, Dick's brother who's in bad health, Barbara who is recovering from some health issues, and also for her niece who is being treated at the UAB Hospital for Cancer. It is very serious. Father, uh, we pray for the Burmisters and their newborn grandson, Ben, as he recovers from heart surgery. We pray for the Chandler family and the loss of their son-in-law. And we pray, Father, for their daughter and those two precious children that she has. Lord, give comfort. We pray, Father, for others that hear this morning that only you know the need. God, would you give your presence. We thank you too, Father, for your blessings to us and how you have watched over us, how you've provided for our needs, how you have been so faithful Morning by morning, new mercies we see. For great is your faithfulness. So, Lord, we bow in your presence. We thank you that you continue to do your work in our lives. We continue to answer prayer. Thank you, Father, for Hope Reynolds and her enrollment in school going through this horrible time of cancer herself. There are others we can mention. You know them. And now, Lord, thank you for hearing us. For we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
please be seated. I want to take just a moment of personal privilege, if I may, and uh, don't want to start anything that can't finish here, but there's some folks here that we think would be appropriate to recognize, and Russell and Debbie Puppy just celebrated 50 years of the wedding. And Pard and Maxine, 70 years. Congratulations. I hope I live that long. Much less. <laughs> I want to invite your attention to Psalm 103. And uh, it's printed there in your bulletin. Um, if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there because I'm going to give you some some word pictures this morning as we read through this passage of Scripture. Our Scripture reading will be a little bit lengthy today, and I'll be reading from the uh, English Standard Version, so it may read a little differently than the text that you have. But if you would follow along as I read aloud and ask the Lord to just truly speak to you from His Word. His Word is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It never returns void. It always accomplishes what he wants it to accomplish. And I believe today God wants it to accomplish something. Hear, hear the word of God, the Psalm of David. David says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for Nan, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those 
who keep his covenant and remember his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Father, as we come, we ask now that the Spirit of God would fall fresh upon us, giving us illumination that we can understand your word. Thank you for inspiring it, giving it to us in written form that we can memorize it, we can study it, and we have it before us. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, speak to those today who are hurting Speak to those who may be here within the sound of my voice who don't have a personal relationship with you. Lord, would you do that work for your kingdom's sake? And we give you thanks and we give you praise. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. This morning as we look at Psalm 103, I'm reminded that it was one of Martin Luther's favorite psalms. Last week, we looked at Psalm 32, and I said that he was once asked, what are some of your favorite psalms? And he said, 32, 51, and 103. So this morning, we're going to take a brief time to look at this psalm, and I'm just going to hit the highlights. Time does not permit me to go into any type of depth whatsoever. But I want to start by just giving you a summary of some church history from the 1500s, and you'll see where I'm going in just a minute. The 1500s in 1517, Martin Luther debated a man by the name of Johann Eck. Luther had been an Augustinian monk in the Catholic Church. He had been reading and studying the Bible, and he saw some discrepancies between what the Bible taught and what the church was teaching. And so they, uh, he nailed the 95 theses on the door there in Wittenberg, And the day continued. And the Catholic Church brought out their greatest debater, a man by the name of Johann Eck, debate Luther. The debate went on for quite some time. And as you know, Pope Leo X declared that Luther should be excommunicated from the church. The church should not endorse his writings. But what you may not know is there was a young man who sat in those debates who was Johann Eck's secretary. And he listened intently to the arguments that Luther was making. And he went home and he began to study his Bible and read. And he came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and realized that Luther was correct. Justification was by grace through faith alone, not as a result of any works. That young man left the city of Leipzig. He got seminary training and became a pastor. And he wrote a hymn. And let me quote just a little bit of it for you, if I may. 
The hymn is this, My soul now praise your maker. My soul praise your maker. Let all within me bless his name who makes you full partaker of his mercies more than you dare to even claim. As high as the heavens above us, as dawn as the close of the day, so far he has loved us, he puts our sins away. That was written by a man by the name who followed Eck. A man by the name of Johann Grauman. Fast forward 150 years, a man by the name of Joachim Nieder, a German poet, living a very sinful life, came to the church one evening with some of his friends, mainly just to mock the pastor. He heard the gospel preach, he was converted. He went into the ministry and eventually became the assistant pastor to the, to the pastor that he was mocking. They assigned him the 5 o'clock a.m. morning worship service to preach in. Think of that. And he wrote a hymn. He died at the age of 30. Maybe you know it. If you had your Trinity hymnal with you, it would be number 53. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy hope and thy salvation. Go another hundred years. A man by the name of Isaac Watts wrote 750 hymns. One that you know very well, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. But he also wrote another hymn. And it went like this, bless the Lord, my soul, his mercies bear in mind, forget not all his benefits, who is so kind. The 1800s, there was a man by the name of Henry Light. He stood beside the, a man who was dying at his bedside. Henry Light began to question his own salvation. He went home, started reading the Bible, gave his life to Christ. Very fluent, became a preacher of the gospel. Great musician, played the flute, fluent in Latin and Greek and French. And he wrote number 76 in your Trinity hymnal. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransom healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing? Praise Him for His grace and favor to our fathers in distress. Praise Him still the same forever, loaded child and swift to bless. Why do I bring all these fellows up? Why do I talk about these hymns? I'll tell you why. They all came from Psalm 103. Every one of them. And that's just a small amount of those that have been written from this hymn. I invite you to dig in with me this morning as we look at some of the blessings. David is writing this psalm. As you know, David was the king of Israel. And he writes and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He could have stopped there, but he didn't. He clarifies that. And he says, All that is within me, bless his holy name. This is one of the very few psalms that David wrote that he's not asking God for anything. He's not asking deliverance from, from an enemy. He's not asking God forgiveness for anything. 
He is simply saying, God, I am here to praise you and glorify and exalt you for you are worthy to be praised. And so David is writing this. And by the way, I have to tell you, the Bible is written in two different languages. I have three different languages, but two different languages. The New Testament was written in what's called Koine Greek, which is a very precise word. Most of the Old Testament was written in the language of, of the Hebrew, which is a more of a word picture type language. It's like walking through a museum and looking at the paintings on the wall, and they describe what the text says. And then there's a few chapters in the book of Daniel that are written in Aramaic. But David is writing here in the Hebrew language. I want to make reference to a couple of word pictures that will help you understand what he's saying. Notice the benefits that he is mentioning in verses 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what benefits. Reminds you of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11 and following, and maybe this afternoon you want to go and look at that scripture, but it's, a, it's Moses saying to the people of God, God has blessed us abundantly. He has caused our crops to grow. He has multiplied our cattle. He has given us gold. He has given all these things that he has blessed us with. And Moses says, don't forget God. Don't get caught up in all of what you have and forget who gave it to you. Oh, do we need to hear that today? You know, I don't know about you, but when things are going great and I am blessed, I tend to not pray as much as when I'm in the valley and things are not going great. And Moses wanted to warn the people of Israel, said, don't forget your God. And notice verse 3. He says, he forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Don't have time this morning to expound that, but I can tell you this just in summary. God uses doctors to give us healing. God also uses himself to heal divinely. And sometimes God takes us home. I've sat by the bedside of numerous people with diseases who were suffering. And finally, when their eyes closed and they breathed their last breath, you heard the family say, at least now they're healed. You know, that's true for the believer. And that's who David is writing to here. He's writing to Christians, not non-Christians, Christians who have this hope and have this promise. And notice what he says. He forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. Now drop down with me to verses 10 and verses 11 because he's going to amplify that even more. He does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. He doesn't deal with us like we deal with one another. When God forgives sin, he does not hold it against us. It's forgiven. It's seen through the person and the work of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, and we're not accused. 
Now, notice what the psalmist says. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Isn't it interesting that this morning as we prayed the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, that Jesus taught his disciples, and there's a line there that says this, that we are to forgive our debts as forgiving our debtors. We're asking God to forgive us or giving us to forgive others as He has forgiven us. You get the point? We often don't do that, do we? Sometimes we carry around a checklist and we say, yeah, but you hurt me there. You did that there. And we're not talking about forgetting the thing. Forgiveness is not forgetting. There are things David remembered over and over. You remember David was the one who committed the sin with Bathsheba. He's the one that committed adultery with her. They, they had a child that lived seven days, and then it died. And David had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, murdered. He tried to cover it all up, and Nathan the prophet came in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and said, David, you're the man. You're guilty. Here this man is writing this psalm saying, he forgives all. Wow, what a gracious God. Remember me telling you Hebrew gives you word pictures? Let me show you one. Notice in verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. To Christians now, fear him. Now, when he says the word fear, he's not talking about being afraid of God. Not at all. Fear in the Bible is used in the term of awe, of respect. And David is saying here, we fear him, we respect him, we honor him. And then he says, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, I began to do a little bit of research this week. And the answer to the question is, it's infinite. It didn't say how close the east is from the west. It says how far the east is from the west. And the human mind cannot begin to comprehend how far that really is. But let me try. It was April 24, 1990, when the United States launched the Hubble telescope. It's still in orbit. It's 340 miles above the Earth, rotating at the equator, so you hardly ever see it. But it's a telescope that sends out pictures of outer space and stars and planets. And this past Friday, by the way, it took pictures of the Horigenium, Constitution, constellation, excuse me, that is 45 million light years away. And NASA scientists are studying the gases of this constellation, thinking that that may be the formation of some of the stars. 45 million years. Now think about that. But the Hubble telescope has shown us pictures, not 45 million. 13 billion light years away. Now, let me, let me explain that. Remember, a light year is 6 trillion miles. 
That puts the galaxy 78 sextillion miles from the earth. So you're counting the distance of a million to a billion to a trillion to a quadrillion to a quintillion to a sextillion. That's 78 sextillion miles away. Got a picture. Now let's say you jumped in a rocket ship and you traveled 500 miles per hour every minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year, not a moment's pause. It would take you 20 quadrillion years to get there. Here's what David says. God takes your sins... That's as far as we can see. That's, not the, that's just the beginning for God. And he says, they're separated from you that far. Now, how does he do that? I mean, David lived in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. David didn't see Jesus. It's a thousand years down the road you see Jesus. You remember when the people of Israel would come to the temple and they would bring their sacrifices of a lamb or a, little, or, or a bird or something depending on your income. And the priest would slay it. He would take the blood. He would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. You know what those people were doing? They were looking forward to a redeemer that was to come in the future that the prophets clearly taught about from Isaiah and the minor prophets. And you go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 and you see the first instance of a Messiah to come. They're looking forward. We're looking back a thousand years. They're looking ahead a thousand years. And it is Christ who saves them whether they're in the Old Testament or whether in the New Testament. And so David could say that he has separated us. Do you ever wonder what David must have thought every time he saw Bathsheba and realized what he had done? And yet he comprehended the grace of God that covered all his sin. What a magnificent thing that is for him to write. Well, then he says, secondly, and I must go quickly here. He says he's a God of compassion. Verse 3, who redeems your life from the pit. The word that he uses there is the word we get our word sheol or hell. He redeems your life from that. Uh, Jesus said this in the New Testament, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. That's for the believer. That's the Christian. And then he says who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The word that he uses there is a word picture. The Hebrew uses it, hesed, loving kindness. It's the word picture of a stork. I told you, the Old Testament Hebrew word pictures used pictures. Why a stork? You know that a stork is one of the best parents in the animal kingdom? They never leave the young. They're constantly there nurturing. 
David says, God is that with you. And then he says, of his loving kindness. Notice he mentions it in verse 4. He mentions it in verse 11. He mentions it in verse 17. And that God is merciful. Here's another word picture. The word comes from the Hebrew word meaning the womb. And he has the picture here of a woman who is carrying a baby in the womb. You know, you ask any mother here what that's like. How much protection. How they watch themselves, their own health. How they're so careful to make sure nothing happens to them during those nine months that would so endanger that child. David says in verse 13, he says it twice. He says, God is compassionate. Aren't you glad? And then he says, in verse, well, who satisfies your youth with new things. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed his transgressions from us. His days are like grass. He remembers them no more. Why grass? To the Hebrew mind, the grass would be, would, would, would be um, green in the morning and by the afternoon the sun would have scorched it and they would come and they would cut it and they would put it in bundles and they would use it for fuel for their furnaces. And he's contrasting that grass versus the steadfast love of the Lord that's forever. And then he says, he says that he, he satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed. How? Like an eagle. An eagle? Here's another word picture. An eagle. My wife and I enjoy going up to the Smoky Mountains and one of the places that we go quite often is a theme park called Dollywood. And inside Dollywood, there is a rehab center for eagles. And they care for eagles that have been injured, that need care, literally from all over the world. They bring them to this place inside Dollywood to care for them and hopefully rehab them so that they're able to go out into the wild again. Some they can, some they can't. But over the years, we have gone and we've seen how they rehab them. And I've done a little research. And do you know that the eagle is one of the strongest birds alive? There are 59 different types of eagles in the world today. The golden eagle and the bald eagle are the most common in the United States. But not only is the eagle a strong bird, it can live up to 40 years. His talons are huge. It can weigh up to 15 pounds. It can have a wingspan of 8 feet wide. They've been known to go down and take the prey of a monkey and feed it to their young. It's a very powerful bird. But David's point is this. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. And the eagle is one of the creatures that God has so created that keeps its strength even in its old age. He says, your youth is renewed like that. Even so, those who wait on the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They will renew their strength in the Lord's Isaiah 40 and verse 31. 
David is saying, even in your old age, God is able to give you strength. You know, a lot of mornings I get up and I say, oh, Lord. Get home in the afternoon and say, what a day that was. You know what keeps you going? David said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord's kindness. It's the Lord's goodness. It's the Lord's blessing. And then he concludes, and I must conclude and go very quickly here. Verse 20, he says, Bless the Lord, O his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. You obey the voice of the Lord. Angels to obey him. Verse 21, bless the Lord, you his host. That includes not only the angels, but all the other beings that are in heaven. And some commentators say even the stars and all that he has created out there are to bless the Lord. And then he says, bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion to bless the Lord. Who's this psalm for? Verse 18, those who keep his covenant. His covenant. What's his covenant? I will be your God. You will be my people. And in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was about to depart from his disciples and knew that he was about to be crucified, he gave them a supper. He said, as long as you remember this, do it unto me. So I ask you this question this morning. Are your sins forgiven? Have you come to the place where you know for sure that if you were to die today, you would go to be with him? If not, you need to settle that today. You need to settle that today. And simply by faith say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask your forgiveness. I ask you to give me eternal life. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross to forgive me my sins. But if you've already made that profession of faith, now's the time to give him glory. Now's the time to give him praise. Now's the time in morning, noon, and night to say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness for forgiving me my sins, for your compassion, for, for being the God that you are to me for all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, for any that may be here this morning who maybe have never received you as Lord and Savior of their lives, that today... Right now would be the day that they might just simply say in the quietness of their heart, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need salvation and I open my heart to you to give you praise. Save me. Give me this eternal life we've been talking about. Thank you, Father, for those that made that commitment even right now and those that will do it later today. We also pray, Father, for those 
who've made that commitment, that we might learn to be with David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. And we give you thanks, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to celebrate together the supper that Jesus gave His church in communion and covenant with Him. And I want to tell you this morning that if you're a Christian, this table is for you. It's not the table of the Presbyterian Church. It's the table of the Lord. (laughs) He's the one that established this. But He says we are to come in a manner worthy. What does that mean? It means that no outstanding sin in our lives, but we come by grace, knowing that we are sinners, knowing that we come to feast upon this and receive strength. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 11, I receive from the Lord, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, this God is in covenant with you. He's given you a sign and a seal to remember over and over and over so you won't forget what he's done. We don't believe in any way that partaking of this wafer or partaking of this juice gives us salvation. But it reminds us and it points to, these are signs that point to the cross and they point to what Christ has done. The bread represents his body. It's broken, crushed, nailed to a cross. He who knew no sin, became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's an incredible statement Paul makes. And the juice represents his blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this sacrament you give your church. And we ask, Lord, that as we partake of these things, we remember what's been done for us, for the bread and also for the cup, remembering the cross, sins forgiven, paid in full. And we bless you in Jesus' name. If there's anyone that did not receive one of these elements when you came through, would you just please raise your hand and 
want to be sure some of the ushers will get you this if you desire to have it. I don't see any hands going up. If you would, take a moment and open this part of the bread. Lord Jesus Christ took that bread and he gave thanks. Would you take and eat it? Father, we bless you for giving us the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and suffering on the cross for us. Thank you is not enough. But we bless you. We're reminded of the punishment that you took that's ours. In his name we pray. Amen. Likewise, that evening, the Lord Jesus Christ took the cup and he gave it to the disciples. He said, this is the cup representing my blood. Take and drink all of it. And our Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for what you have done in giving us this sacrament to remind us how great you are of your love and of your compassion to us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand and let's sing this closing hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. Would you stand together as we sing?
receive the benediction, the blessing of our God. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his throne, to him be all glory, dominion, now and forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank you.